right, welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of the Weapon H All-in-One Podcast. Today, I got my first in-studio guest today, my man, John McCord. Joker played overseas for 12 years, man. God did his thing over there. So today, I want to actually kind of get with him about his experiences overseas and what it was like coming home and all that good stuff. But um, first, to introduce y'all, he, uh, he played at the Monroe Community College. Starting off, then he went to Cornell University. And after that, he spent his time over in Europe playing in the UK and France. So, you know, he has a lot of experience and he has a different life set. And now we're going to get underway with the questions. So, Big J, my man, how was the first trip over the water? Did you have any emotions, any fears? Man, you know, it's crazy, man. My first experience was um, actually I went to the Philippines first. Okay. You know, I graduated uh, when I graduated in May. I think I left in like July, went to the Philippines and played out there for the summer and, and uh it, it it was a culture shock. It was completely different from what I was ever accustomed to, man. Bet. Yeah, I know that's right. Uh, I know when I, the first time I went over there, man, it was just like, oh, I know nobody. <laughs> TV was different. Yeah. You know, we had to kind of make way, you know, we went a lot longer than some of you guys now. It was before all of the social media, so oh, yeah. you had internet, so you could still watch everything. We didn't, we, didn't, we had to we didn't have none of that. We didn't have none of that, man. I mean, it's crazy. Like, when I went to the Philippines, you know, um, time difference, it, it, it was like a 12-hour time difference for me. Um, the language barrier. Yeah, you know, and until this day, man, I can't stand Boston Market because that's the only thing I ate when I was in the Philippines, bro. Like, I didn't, I didn't trust, I didn't trust nobody cooking out there. So, Boston Market, Wendy's, a lot of that stuff was familiar to me, and I didn't just at that time, you know, a young guy coming out of college, I didn't want to take chance trying new culture and new foods and stuff. So. I hate Boston Market to this day. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. Cause that was one of the things, like that food stuff. Man, listen. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, it, after a while, once we got over there for a while, at least for me anyway, once I got over there for a while and I started trying all of their food, I became right. more entrenched in the culture. But that first year, so yeah, he was like, either I'm yeah. cooking or... Exactly. And, and no crazy, the Philippines, so, you know, it, it, it was kind of misleading too, man. I, when I got to the Philippines... Um, it was me and I had a, the other American was Pernell Perry. He was the um, Fridge, Fridge Perry and Michael Dean Perry. That was their nephew. Oh, okay. So it was, nope. he, he and I was on the same team. The team, the owner of our team was the richest man in the Philippines. He owned wow. all the banks, uh, all the clubs, all the hotels. So we, I, we, we were spoiled. So he had a maid, I had a maid. They hand washed our clothes. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they were spoiled. So I was like, wow, you know, this is what overseas like. I think I'm going to like this. But it was a major, major culture shock, man. Major. By the time you got to France, what was that like? Oh, man. Because that's where you spent pretty much most of your career, right? I split most of my time, and to correct you, brother, Okay. 14 years, not 12. Give me back for two years, bro. <laughs> Um, no, nah, I split. I, I split a lot of my time between. I split half between the UK and, and France. You know, okay. I had an opportunity to leave the UK earlier, but I basically stayed and, and I got a passport. Oh, dope. so you know, so I had. I got dual citizenship. Um, but when I got to France, man, it was a great situation. You know, I just, I just won the championship my previous year in the UK. Then going to France, lining up with you know two of my boys, Ricardo and Jeff Gray. They both from New York. And we got to France, and no one thought we was going to be able to compete with three guys from New York City. You know, they had this big misconception that guys from New York can't play together. 
And we went out there, we won the championship in France. So that was just an amazing experience right there. So, nice. I mean, it was great. And the food was great too, man. We found a lot of different restaurants out there that, you know, I liked, you know, Brazilian restaurants, Spanish restaurants, a lot of tapas and, you know, French food was okay. But, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in the Brazilian restaurants. Right. And then I know you end up being in the south of France for a while too. Uh, I know that was a whole different because uh, I played down there for a couple of years. So let people know about that south of France you know, life. Every time someone asks me, they be like, you know, where's the best place you played? And I be like, are you talking about living or from a basketball experience? And they be like, well, let's talk about for the living. It's nothing like the south of France. Okay. Wow. So I lived in a city called Antibes, which was, I was like in the middle of Cannes and Nice. You know, it was 15 minute drive to Cannes, 20 minute drive to Nice, 30 minute drive to Monaco, 45 to Saint Tropez, three hour drive to Milan. Weather's beautiful. It's nothing like it. So I always tell people, if you, when when people talk about visiting uh, France and they talk, about, oh, I want to go to Paris, don't go to Paris, man. Go down to that French Riviera, man. It's a different lifestyle. You know, I always say it's the Miami of France. Yep. It's the Miami of France, but way better. That's, way better, way better. I tell people that all the time. I say that, like, one of the places that I've been in the world where, like, when you wake up every day, it's like just no way you can just be uh, mad or nothing. You just, it's, there's nothing to be mad at. You, just, you work out, you see in the Mediterranean Sea, it's beautiful out. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're on the beach. I mean, it's nothing to be. Only time I think I had shown any bit of anger was on the basketball court. I mean, that's the only time you should show anger anyway. Pretty I mean, much. If you was angry at that, at the living conditions out there, weather around <laughs> 75 degrees, year round. I mean, New Year's Eve, we was walking around in t-shirts. You know, that's New Absolutely. Year's Eve. And y'all know what it's like coming from, you know what it's like coming from up north and me from the Bronx. You know, it's always cold New Year's for us. But being out there, man, 75 degrees on New Year's Eve, it was amazing, man. But the South of France is beautiful. Yes. It's gorgeous yeah, out there. Absolutely. Man. All right, now. Once the career started to wind down, what kind of went through your mind when you made the decision to finally just say, all right, I had enough? Well, the crazy thing was, man, I still had, <laughs> it goes right back to the South of France. I was in Stra I was in Strasbourg, okay. and I still had, I was like, you know what? I'm at this point in my career, what do I want to do? And, you know, I, I was like, you know what, well, maybe it's time to contemplate retirement. But Antibes, they came to me at the end of the season and offered me two more years to come back to the South of France to play two years. So at the time when I was married, you know, I, you know, I discussed with the wife and she was like, you know, if that's what you want to do, fine. And when I came back here to Charlotte, I was actually in a grocery store and ran into an assistant coach of mine in wow. Walmart, Marcel wow. Webster. <laughs> wow. Marcel, I ran into Marcel in, in Walmart and, you know, he told me he was a head coach of the women's college team at Barber Scotia. Right. And he was like, you know, what do you want to do after basketball? And I was like, man, I would like to try to get into coaching. He told me about the prep school situation. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, I still got two years left. He hooked up the interview. I went on my interview on that Tuesday, met Marcus. And um, Marcus like, yeah, I got like four more candidates to interview. I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, I wasn't expecting to get the job anyway. I never had no coaching experience besides, you know how we do when we got a coach right. clinics overseas. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a Tuesday. That Saturday, Marcus called me and said, I got the job. Nice. So it, then at that point, it was like, okay, now hold on. I still got this two-year contract on the table overseas. <laughs> and, and at that point, you know, I saved enough money. And like I said, it was, you know, married, you know, the kids was getting older. So, you know, right. at the time, it was a decision. I was like, you know what? 
I, I'll take the job here. And, and uh, it made my transition a lot easier being that I got into something that I enjoyed doing. That's what's up. That was actually my first job when I got back home as well. Mm -hmm. But I noticed, like, at least for me, when I first got back, I had a major adjustment. Again, trying to adjust back to the mind state of being back home in the States compared to being over in Europe, because Europe mm -hmm. was just more laid back. Everybody enjoyed life to me. It seemed like they enjoyed life a bit more. How was your adjustment coming back? Well, it was tough, man, because you got to think, man, You, we probably worked a max of four hours a day. And that's, that's probably, you know, including, that's probably saying you had two practices. Now you come back here, and then, you know, you got to get back into this whole eight hours or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it, it, it was tough. It, it was it was a tough transition from that standpoint where, right. you know, now you you really had to get out there and, and earn. Not saying we didn't earn our money over there, but, you know, we had to put in those hours here more so than we really did overseas. So right. it, it was a kind of an adjustment. And then also... The money aspect. Right. <laughs> it was a big difference from the money we was accustomed to making there and then coming here and having to take a major pay cut. So it, that that was the toughest part of, you know, coming back home. Yeah, guys, I know. I mean, people always say, oh, you only work a few hours. I say, yeah, this is true. But this, we put a lot of work and a lot of wear and tear on your body. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, because you couldn't do that kind of job for eight hours. So, okay. you know, it was a few hours. But then now you come back, like you said, making a little bit like less money for more hours of work and right. you know it was kind of a bit of an adjustment of it so mm -hmm. but did you find it difficult to kind of start relating to like maybe have old friends family and people who never had the chance to travel was it a did you start noticing the conversation is different or the things that you took from them was different from when you left well i mean a lot of people you know they a lot of people were just more you know, intrigued about, you know, my experience. They were like, oh, how was it over there? What was it like? You know, and, uh, you know, everybody just thought, you know, playing overseas, you know, we made millions and millions of dollars. And, and you know, I was telling them, it, it wasn't, it, it's not like the NBA. I mean, we, we made good money. We made a good living for ourselves. But, you know, just to try to help them understand that, you know, it was it, it, a different culture, a different lifestyle, you know, just a different way of us moving compared to us coming back here, you know, um, I mean, to be quite honest with you, if I I would have loved to stay over there, but I'm just so close to family that, you know, I'm like, you know, uh, a 10 hour flight is completely different from a two, 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 three hour car drive. So, right. you know, that was the adjustment for me in regards to like people asking me like, you know, what was life like over there? And, you know, what are you planning to do here? You know, when I came back, like I said, I had that coaching opportunity, but I also felt like, you know, it, it was it's kind of like I felt like I had to get back into reality. Right. You know, it just felt like we had to get back into reality because I knew this was going to be my life going forward now that, you know, I had to grind, you know, to get my get my feet back set on solid ground here in the States. Right. Yep. And because, you know, in the time in Europe, we was pretty much, even though we were playing for a team, you had a coach, you had the presidents and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. We were still pretty much our own boss. Right. You exactly. Know, we, pretty, we did, you know, it's after a certain amount of time, I started negotiating my own contracts. Right. So, you know, we learned the business. We knew what we were doing. And mm -hmm. it was different than having to come back now and have somebody telling you what to do or saying something. I, it was that. So, so someone telling you, tell you what to do when you really know this is not what you really want to do, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, at least we was getting paid for something we, we loved and, and we enjoyed doing. Now, you know, it's like, hey, I got to do this to provide for the family and put food on the table. So and that that was the big difference. That was that was that was a difference, man. And that was a big culture shock and a major change. I know for me also, 
I used to, it, 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 it kind of, not, I won't even say someone upset me, mm -hmm. someone so disappointed me that I didn't get more of my friends and family to come overseas mm -hmm. to experience some of that because it's nothing like now we done went and we're doing all this traveling, we done seen all these mm -hmm. cultures and then you come back and you hear people talk about the same stuff, it's like, dude, I can't even relate really mm -hmm. no more. You know, they look at me as being different, but I say, yeah, right. actually I am, right. but I've seen a lot more. Right. So it's a little bit more difficult for me to relate. Did you run to some of those same I issues? Did. I did. I definitely did, man. And I, I just tell people, I was like, listen, man, you, my, my whole thing is this, man. We provided an opportunity for a lot of people to come visit us and they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. So, like, right now, for me, like, I don't care to travel as much as I used to. It don't really bother me to travel like that no more. It really don't. I mean, I take, you know, obviously, you see, I take my trips here and there. But, you know, like, for me now, I don't, like, a lot of people, like, yo, I want to go here, I want to go here. That don't, fade, that don't amuse me no more. That don't fascinate me. Because, like, everybody wants to, everybody want to go visit all the places that everyone else goes to. They, they remember the Tulums, the, 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 the DR, Punta Cana. But dog, y'all had opportunity to come see the south of France. You had opportunity to come, you could have went to Greece. You know, we provided that outlet for people and they didn't take advantage of it. And now when they talk about certain things, I'm like, eh, we've been there, we've done that. <laughs> it was so crazy. All my friends, you know, we always they try to make a little guy's trip here and there, you mm -hmm. know, different, you know, every at least once a year, something like that. So we sit, and this is maybe about three or four years ago, and we, we all sitting around one day and say, yo, one of the guys said, hey, man, we should go to Europe. I turned at him, looked at him like that, I said, bro, you know, I'm, right, I'm mad. Every cuss word in the book almost came out of my mouth, y'all. Because I'm sitting up there, y'all y'all lost y'all mind all right. the years. I'm sitting, I was, and I was there for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And now y'all want to do it when, like, at least then, I had a little pool over there. Right. I had a place right. for y'all to stay. I had a ride for y'all to drive, drive around in. And if we did go out, no, we I was in there. First so class we, treatment, man. First we was good. Now y'all want to go where I got to be normal guy and I got to be getting the line back in line back like everybody line, else. Right, I was right, like, man, right. go on, get out I mean, face. they say, and, and the crazy thing is, we've been we've been from over there for so long and they, they still think you still got that same pull, you know? I think the thing that was more disappointing for me is that some of my boys actually came to visit. Okay. Well, that was good because yeah, I didn't get in. My mother and my sisters, they didn't come, which was upsetting. Wow. You know, I'm like, you know, my kids lived over there. They went to school over there. So, like, they know what it's like. But my siblings and my mother never came. Mom and pop, they did come, mm -hmm. but that was it. That wow. was it. Wow. Not one friend, none, nobody. So, yeah. But it happens. It was an experience. I definitely enjoyed it. Oh. It changed me for the better. So, of course, of course, man, because you coach it. Right, exactly. Now that you're fully entrenched back home, do you actually miss being over there sometimes? You know, I do and I don't. I mean, I, I, the one thing that I do miss about it. As I miss the the bus rides, the plane rides, you know, just being with the guys. Right. You know, I miss that the traveling and and you know the going in the trenches of battle. I miss that aspect of it. Okay. But other than that, no, nah, I enjoy being home. I love the life that I'm living now, um, and I know I still have the opportunity to go visit these places again if I really wanted to. So Dope. I think the only thing I miss is just the battling and just being on a you know track you know train like I said train plane and planes just you know sitting there talking junk playing cars, dominoes, whatever we did, you know, to kill the time while we were traveling. That's the only thing I missed. Right. The camaraderie with the teammates, and that was it.
Yeah, I, I miss some of the places sometimes because, you know, I, I end up building up so many friends and mm -hmm. stuff over there. So I'll go back over there and there just to kind of see people right. hang out and take. But more so now, I want I would like to go back to be able to show a few people right. some exactly. things that I was able to experience while I was over there. Mm -hmm. So and now that you, you know, nowadays, what you up to now since, you know, you're back home, everything's good to go oh, now. Man. You've been here for a few years now. So what are you up to now? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a broker, man. I'm okay. a broker. Yeah, I work for like the, it's the third biggest, uh, the third largest brokerage firm in the world. Okay. It's called, um, we just recently changed our name to RxO. Okay. So, um, you know, we I'm a freight broker, so, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for all of the freight that move across this beautiful country of ours, you know, so I negotiate all the deals between, you know, the truck uh, truck drivers and their companies. So I'm, I'm the middleman between the, the salespeople. So, you know, once, once you know, once basketball's over, you know, you had to put that degree to use, man. So that's what I'm doing right now. You know, and and it, and it was it was Ivy League people. It was Ivy League, you know, it was the, that's that Cornell education Cornell, baby. actually came back and it's paying off right now. <laughs> right, 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 man. And it's like, and it's crazy, man, because we just we we make our company just made a transition, and um, I wasn't I wasn't real fond and happy of the transition they was making because they was pulling me from a team that you know I've been accustomed to. I've been at this company now five. It'll be six years okay. in July. So. They was pulling me from from a team that I was accustomed to, and come to find out, the reason why they was doing it is because they want me to be. They want me to take a managerial position. Oh. So you know, I, I see where it's going, and um, you know, so I, I'm just looking for good things to happen right now with the company, and you know, just Absolutely. continue to grow and and see what happens, man. See what happens. Got to conquer this, just like we did the basketball. Court, Absolutely, bro. man. And I think that mentality mm -hmm. from us. Being overseas, because yeah, NBA, you know, yeah, NBA is great, it's millions mm -hmm. of dollars. And, but when you're overseas, it's not only that you just you playing ball, you're making the money. You're adjusting to a culture. Mm -hmm. You're adjusting to different people, and you're just your style of play to how they play. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot. And then you're there pretty much on your own. Right. So it ended up making us a lot more tougher mentally. So when we come back, you know, we know how to fight. Right. You know, we know how to dig, get in the grind, and mm -hmm. go in the trenches and do what we need to do, and we always had that competitive energy to come. Always try to come out on top. So that competitive energy, not only not to mention, we, we come from Newark and the Bronx, <laughs> so exactly. we you know we come from some rough places. And and one of the things that I found too is a lot of the uh, companies that I deal with, they're based in Europe. Wow. So a lot of times, you know, we get on the phone and we talking and. And I'd be like, well, where you at? And they'd say a country. And I'm like, oh, I was there. And then I'd say, I played basketball. And they'd be like, oh, we start talking basketball. And right. that helps generate business for me as well. So it pays off, man. It pays Absolutely. off. Absolutely. That's pays what's off. up. I mean, it pays off. All right. Finish us off for the day. One thing, I mean, sometimes it, it, it this goes up and down <laughs> with me. So, like, Couple of games where well, we go to the NBA games, and you know, <laughs> then you'll be around. You see the crowd again, and sometimes sitting in the crowd is different from being on the court. You hear a bunch of different stuff. But do you actually get the? Do you miss hearing the roar of the crowd sometimes? And also, how does it feel when you're on the in that crowd? You hear the way these people talk, and they know that and they probably talk about us like that. You know, it's, it's I, I do miss the roar of the crowd. I, I love the competition of it. Um, I think we all do, man. Yeah, you know, just when, especially when you can go there and, and my whole thing is I always love playing away because I love to be the villain. Yes. I just love to be the villain. You know what I mean? So I, I miss that, you know, the roar of the crowd from that perspective. And like you said, I do imagine like people used to talk junk to us like, 
we talk junk about these players. Now, you know what I mean? like, like this bum, and you know, people saying that about us. You know what I mean? But, right. But I mean, hey, man, it's it's good. I mean, I have no regrets. I I enjoyed the fourteen years. I enjoyed the experience. So I mean, and the one thing people don't know is I'm a kid that I'm a guy that never played high school basketball. Wow. Never played high school basketball. So I everything for me came about playing in the city, city tournaments in New York and going to Monroe and becoming a, a All-American as a freshman. I was the first freshman. I was the, I was the first player to be an All-American in Monroe College. Wow. And then my my sophomore year, I was player of the year and first team All-American. So I can't, I, I was not that kid that grew up playing basketball. Yo, that's so crazy <laughs> that we ended up connecting and being cool because I only played one year high school. Because I went the first three years of doing that. I mean, I played everywhere, but I didn't right. play organized ball. So Same by the here. time I did it my senior year, I mm. you know I went and tore the whole city up. Right. But nobody recruited me because I went to an academic school because mm -hmm. my school, University High School at that time, was the number two academic school in Newark. Right. So it wasn't known for sports. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get the looks, so I had to go that hard route. I ended up going to Division Three. So he and went to Juco. And you grinded and you, and you made it. You made yeah, it. You know what so. I mean? Everybody, Everybody's path is different, man. Absolutely. Like, one of the things like, I tell our kids today, everybody can't play overseas. They think they can just walk <laughs> off the streets and just get a job overseas. They don't understand how difficult it is, man. Don't understand it, man. At, at all. Nah. Basketball-wise and just living. Because a lot of guys don't even make it just from being over there and they're away from everybody. And they say, oh, I don't have HBO. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. have fried chicken. Oh, I don't have mm -hmm. this. And they like, they don't, they, they back home yeah, within a couple of weeks. Yeah they, yeah, they can't survive, man. It take, you got to have thick skin, man, to be able to survive that lifestyle over there, man. It's, it's not for everyone. Everyone's not built for it. Absolutely. Everybody's not built for it. And then you go from... This like surviving and learning to embracing and actually and loving and enjoying being yes. over there. Yeah, so and they embrace you too. Absolutely, they embrace you too. Yes, man. they do. I have to they give them that too. So I mean, I love it. Man, I had a great time over there. I don't have no regrets, man. Hey, that's what I like to hear. So good to have you here today, my man. Appreciate it, my brother. Appreciate and it. Thanks for everybody for tuning in, and see you next time on the next edition of Weapon H All in One Podcast.